Fantastic. And uh, this is the Game Changers series. And um, what we've been using is some of these faces from history are people who who did things that changed the game in their field. And intermingled with these very famous people are some people from this church whose life has been changed because of an encounter with Jesus. And uh, I, I want to just talk to you about a few of these faces first. This first face is Rosa Parks. And in uh, 1955, on December the 1st, in Montgomery, Alabama, deep in the south of America, deep in racial segregation, there was a bus and on the bus, you, there was a white section. If you were white, you could sit in the white section. And if you were black, they called it colored, you could sit in that section. And the white section was full one day. And there was a white woman that didn't have a seat. And so they came to Rosa Parks, who was black. She was sat in the black section. And they wanted her to move and give her seat for the white lady. And she made a game-changing decision on that moment that she was going to make a stand. And they say that that moment was a, 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 like a momentous shift in the civil rights movement in America. How about this next one? This guy is Richard Fosbury, okay, from the racial segregation issues of uh, America to high jump. And in 1968, um, in the Olympic Games, he made a game-changing decision that instead of jumping over forwards with the scissor kick, I was going to do it for you there, but you don't really want me to do that because that would hurt. Uh, he actually decided to jump backwards and developed a new move called the Fosbury Flop. Not only did he win, not only did he break the American and the Olympic record, but four years later at the next Olympics, almost half of the high jumpers jumped that way instead of the, the other way. He made a game-changing decision that he was going to try something new. This guy is a guy called Tim Berners-Lee. He's a British scientist who invented the web, which is pretty amazing. He made a game-changing decision that he was going to give it away free. And that decision has changed the world, hasn't it, in so many ways. This next guy I really love. This guy's name was William Webb Ellis. He was an Anglican clergyman and he was playing football one day. And on the commemorative plaque uh, in, in, in that university, it says this. And this is old English, fantastic old English language. He says this. With a fine disregard for the rules of football, William Webb Ellis took the ball in his arms and ran with it. Thus originated the game of rugby football. I love that. He made a decision that one day. He was going to pick the ball up and run with it. He broke the rules and that game-changing decision meant that we got a new sport worldwide. That's amazing. About this lady here, Emmeline Pankhurst. Uh, she was the leader of the suffragette movement at the start of the last century when women didn't have the vote and when women's place was very much uh, under pressure and under prejudice and oppression and all of that. She, along with many other women, made a stand for women's rights and says this of her. She shaped an idea of women for our time. She shook society into a new pattern from which there could be no turning back. She made a game-changing decision that she was not going to settle for the status quo, but she was going to change it. And hundreds of years later, that whole movement is still gaining momentum. And even this week, we now have Anglican women bishops. Woo! Which I think is fantastic, by the way. Absolutely. And so what happens is that game-changing moments often come down to game-changing decisions. And I want to tell you another story, and here's another picture. And this is my wife, actually. I have got permission to show you there in a fine archery stance. And we were on holiday last week, and as part of that, we thought we'd go and do some archery together. It was put on at the hotel. And so we went onto the archery field, and we'd never really done it before. So we're shooting these arrows. We were rubbish at the start. Can I say, we were really poor. Not only could we not hit the target, we couldn't hit the board at all. And they were flying off in all kinds of directions. But then gradually, we got the hang of it, and, and we were starting to enjoy it. And there were a whole load of us about. 
about, I don't know, 12 people, people our age, people younger, kids, you know, all mixed. And then it started, then the, the, the instructor said, let's make it a little more competitive. So I got a little more interested in it, to be fair. And we had a whole load of competitive games. And then it came down to the final game. And the final game was this. You had one arrow each. And you had to hit a certain number on the, on the board. And if you hit it, you were in. And if you missed it, you were out. So we all took our arrow and we all shot. And we all shot. And one by one, all the people dropped out. Till there were two people remaining. Me and Kenny from Scotland. Now, I said at the first, I don't know why I said Kenny from Scotland, it's not relevant, but I came up to Kenny from Scotland, so we now had to hit the yellow target in the centre of the board, or as near to as possible, and we would win. And so I shook Kenny's hand, and then Kenny said this to me, he said, who's that with you? And I looked over, and it was Alice, and I said, it's my wife. And he said, this is who's come with me, my 10-year-old son. And he really wants to see his father winning at archery. (laughs) See, Kenny from Scotland was bright, wasn't he? You see, he was using psychology. He was saying, you wouldn't want my 10-year-old son to see his dad lose in the, in the archery thing and be heartbroken. And he literally is piling all this stuff on me. And so I shook his hand and I looked at this little 10-year-old boy like that. And I came up to the thing and I had a game-changing decision to make. What do I do? Do I deliberately miss to let Kenny from Scotland win and his 10-year-old son say, he's my hero, my dad? At that moment, do I lay aside my stuff for the sake of the greater good? And do you know what I did? I whooped him. <laughs> Come on! But, but as, as I shook his hand as the victor, I did turn around to the little son and say, do you know what? Your dad's still a great father. He just isn't that great at archery, but hey-ho. But that... <laughs> We, life often comes down to game-changing decisions, you know, when we're going to make a decision. And, and over these last few weeks, we've looked at people in the Bible who had moments when they had an encounter with Jesus, and it was a game-changing encounter. We've looked at a blind man called Bartimaeus. We've looked at a thieving tax collector called Zacchaeus. We've looked at an adulterous woman that had no name. We don't know what her name is. We've looked at some fearful, disillusioned disciples. But today, we're going to look at someone who wasn't like any of that. In fact, his encounter was totally different to any of those encounters. And we can read it in, in, the, in the book of Mark, which, which, is in the old, which is in the New Testament, which is the second part of the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 10. It says this, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I, 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 want, I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I want a relationship with God so that when I die, I go to heaven. And I know that I have a relationship with you. That's what he's asking. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teach, he declared, all these things I've kept since I was a boy. This guy is not like any of those others that we've looked at. He's not the blind man begging. He's not the thieving tax collector that nobody liked. He's not the adulterous woman. He's not the fearful disciples. What do we know about him? Three things. He's rich, he's young, and he's powerful. I hate him, don't you? I mean, those are the three things that everyone in our society wants more than anything else. If I said you can have these three things, you can be rich, young, and powerful, that's not bad, is it? Everybody in our society is desperate to be rich, young, and powerful. You can see it so much. But not only did he have everything he wanted, he made some really good decisions. One of the decisions was, he said, you know what, I'm going to live my life in a good way. I'm going to live a moral life. 
And so when Jesus talked about the moral code that God instituted called the Ten Commandments, the guy said, got it, done it. I live my life like that. I've made the decision to live a good moral life. That's a good decision. But also, he made another good decision. He said, I'm going to inquire about who this Jesus is. And can I just say, if you're not a follower of Jesus right now, okay, and you're here because you're here for the baptism, or you're here because somebody dragged you kicking and screaming, or you're here because this is the wrong venue and you didn't know that this was what it was, and and you're just too embarrassed to go out. Whyever you're here, you might think, I've never asked about who Jesus is. You know, Sarah said in her testimony this morning, her story this morning, you know, she said, people asked me to go to church, but I didn't think it was for me. How did she know that? She never went. But one day she then decided to go. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, he made a really good decision to inquire about who Jesus is. It's the best decision you could ever make. Before you decide to reject God, find out about him. I don't understand. I understand why people look at it and they might think it's not for me. I don't understand why people reject it without even inquiring about it. Without even knowing about it. We run a think a course here, you've heard it this morning, called the Alpha Course. It's like an eight to ten week course where, where it's not really a course, it's, it, it's just a fun night where you have some food together, you hear a little bit of a talk and you talk with people around the table, you ask questions, you inquire about it. People who are baptized and are baptizing this morning have been on that Alpha Course. At least, at least inquire about it. That's the best decision you can ever make. Don't reject it without inquiring. So he made that good decision. But he also made a good decision because he showed courage and he showed enthusiasm. He ran towards Jesus in the day when everyone could see him. See, others inquired about Jesus in the night when no one could see them. But he ran in the day. He had courage. He had enthusiasm. Then when he came to Jesus, he knelt on his feet. He had humility. He had spiritual hunger. I mean, this guy has got it all. He's rich, young, powerful. He lives a good moral life. He's courageous. He's enthusiastic. He's hungry. He's he's, he's humble. He's got everything. And yet the story doesn't end well. What What does it say? Jesus looked at him and loved him. This is an interesting thing. Jesus looks at a blind man and loves him. Jesus looks at a thieving tax collector and loves him. Jesus looks at an adulterous woman and loves her. Jesus looks at fearful, disillusioned disciples and loves them. Jesus looks at a rich, young, powerful, good, moral man and loves him. Why? Because God is love. And he loves every single person on planet earth. And you might think that you're here, this, well you are here this morning, you might think, oh I don't think God loves me, God wouldn't love me. God loves you more than you can ever know. And you may, you may consider yourself to be broken, you may consider yourself to be not broken, you may consider yourself to be all together and a very good person and really nice person, that's brilliant. God still loves you. But the Bible says, Jesus looked at him and loved him and then said this, one thing you lack Go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Thank you. His game wasn't changed. He went away sad. Wasn't a happy ending like all the other stories we've looked at. Why not? Look at this quote. I don't even know where this quote comes from, but look at this. If a person is wrong about being right with God, then ultimately it really doesn't matter what he or she is right about. Let me say that again. 
If a person is wrong about being right with God, then ultimately it doesn't matter what he or she is right about. L- listen, this guy made loads of really good decisions. But the one decision that mattered the most, he got wrong. And the one decision that matters the most in your life and my life is this. Making the decision to be right with God. See, it doesn't matter what other decisions we get right or wrong. Ultimately, this is the only one that really matters. The others are important, but this is the ultimate game changer, the decision to be right with God. But he got it wrong. And the Bible says he walked away sad. Why did he walk away sad? Why did he get it wrong? Number one, he thought he could earn his way to God. He said, well, I've been good. I've lived a good moral life. So surely I deserve to be right with God. But you know, you don't, you don't get right with God by being a good person. You know, that isn't how it works. You see, here's the thing. You see, we think that if we do certain things, then we're going to get right with God. But the great thing about the Christian faith is it isn't about the word do, it's about the word done. You see, do is what I do, okay? I do this like I'm a good person or I go to church or I don't cheat or I do things. Therefore, God will accept me and I'll have a relationship with him. But actually, the Christian faith is about the word done. It's not what I do, it's what he has already done. You know, it's not... It's not difficult for us to become a Christian. It's impossible in our own strength. We can't do it. We cannot earn our way to God. And, um, but the second reason is this, because not only did he think he could earn his way to God, but secondly, you see, this is the reason why he got it wrong. He couldn't let go of what was in his hands. You see, Jesus said to him, I'll tell you what you do. You sell everything you've got and give it to the poor. Then you can be right with God. Now, here's the interesting thing. He didn't say that to anybody else. He didn't say it to Zacchaeus, who had lots of money. He didn't say it to Martha and Mary, that, those sisters whose house he visited. He didn't say it to Nicodemus, who he met, the Pharisee. He didn't say it to anybody else. He said it to this one man. Why did he say it? Here's the thing. Jesus knew that the one thing that this guy couldn't let go of was control. You see, he was rich, he was young, he was powerful, so he was in control. And he was coming to Jesus to say, listen... I'm in control of everything, but I'm not in control of what will happen to me when I die. And I need to get that one sorted. So I need to get that one controlled. And it was all about his wealth. And you see, a relationship with God is about a a connection with him. And all of us on planet Earth, there are things in our life which separate us or disconnect us from that relationship with God. And for this man, it was his wealth. And he couldn't let go of his wealth. Now, it may not be wealth for you, but it might be something else. And you might say, do you know what? I'm interested in God and I'm interested in, in a relationship with God, but I'm not interested in letting go of some of these things in my life. I read recently about um, a story about a vegetarian, actually, and, and she was interviewed and she said this, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage. And um, the writer in, in the in report said this, actually, she's more like a flexitarian, which I thought was a really good word. And I think a lot of people approach faith and God in a flexitarian way. I really want a relationship with God, but, you know, giving of my money and being sexually pure and forgiving people who hurt me and all that stuff, I'm not sure I really like sausage. And we get a flexitarian approach and we can't let go. But here's the thing, I want want you to see something, a picture that I want to put up here of a trapeze artist. You see, I love this image because this image describes to me what the Christian faith is actually about. It's actually about the guy on the right there who's in the air making a decision that he wants to move from his old trapeze to a new trapeze. And in order to do that, three things have got to happen. He's got to let go, 
He's got to fly through the air and then he's got to be caught. Yeah? But here's the thing. Many people want a relationship with God, but they can't let go. And if you can't let go and have that moment when you're flying through the air and you don't know who's going to catch you, you will never experience being caught in the arms of, of, of God. And I'll tell you what, there is no safer hands in the universe than the hands of God to catch you. So I want to ask you a challenge this morning. In a moment, we're going to sing and set up the stage and we're going to baptize these three fantastic people. Have you made the most important decision in life? Have you made it yet? You see, you can make all of the decisions and you get them right But actually, it doesn't really matter if you get this one decision wrong. Are you right with God? And and I look at this man and I I think he's rich, he's young, he's powerful, he's good, he's moral, he's hungry, he's enthusiastic, he's courageous, he's all these things. But the one thing he needed to be, he got wrong, which is being right with God. You can't earn it. You've got to let go. And when you let go, you have that moment when you're not quite sure what's going to happen, but then you get that moment of being caught in the hands of a loving, faithful God who will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And guys, you who are being baptized, you, you, you've experienced that and in six months' time, life will get tough again and you'll want to hold on to some of those old things again, okay? And their challenge will come again to let go and to put yourself into the hands of God. So what's your game-changing decision today? To those of you who are not followers of Jesus, what's your game changer? Perhaps it's this. Perhaps you're going to make a decision today to find out more. At least to inquire. You you can chat to Simon or to me or to any people in the welcome area. I think we're running an alpha in September. So it's only a a couple of months away. And at least if you're going to reject it, reject it intelligently, yeah? Reject it because you've looked at it and you've considered it. Don't just reject it out of hand. That's a game changing decision. But it might be this morning that there are some of you here and you actually, you have been checking it out and you're ready. You just need to let go. You just need to take the leap. You need to do it. You know, there's, a, there's an old uh, story told in Africa about how they catch monkeys. Uh, and how they catch monkeys is that they, they put a pot with a very thin uh, stem at the top and they put some nuts in the bottom of the pot. And, and the monkey can put his hand like that and it can go down the stem and then he can find the nuts and then he takes them in his fist. But then his fist gets bigger and as he comes out, he can't get his hand out the stem. But the monkey would rather hold on to the nuts than let go. And so in the morning, the hunter comes along and there's the monkey trying to get out of the thing and clocks him on the head and monkey's dead. Monkey is no more. Monkey is deceased. This parrot is dead. Don't go there. But you see, I wonder how many of us would rather hold on to some old stuff, to some hurt, to some pain, to some pride, to some whatever. We'd rather hold on and we'd risk missing out on life that God has for us. Why don't we just let go? Perhaps that's the game-changing decision some of you need to make. Some of you who are followers of Jesus, perhaps you need to make some game-changing decisions as well. Perhaps you need to let go of some stuff as well. Because we will never experience being caught by God if we don't let go of what we're holding on to. Why don't we pray? Father, thank you for your amazing goodness and your grace. And Lord, you are a game-changing God. And Lord, we want to thank you that, God, we now watch these three people get baptized. God, it's going to remind many of us of what's happened to us. But I pray it will speak to others here in this room. God, we don't want to be like this man who had everything going for him made great decisions, but the one best decision of all, he got it wrong. Not only did he walk away sad, but you were sad too. God, I really pray this morning that every single one of us will know what it is to 
surrender our life to you, to make that ultimate game-changing decision. And having made that decision, God, that we'll keep making that decision, if you like, that we'll keep letting go, that we'll keep surrendering, that we'll keep putting our life into your hands because your hands are the safest in the universe. So God, help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.